नमो ब्रह्मण्य देवाया गो ब्राह्मण हिताय जगदिताय कृष्णाया गोविंदाय नमो नमः हे कृष्णा करुणा सिंधो दीनबंधो जगतपते गोपेशा गोपिका कांता राधा कांत नमो स्तुते तप्त कांचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी ऋषभानु सुते देवी प्रणमामी हरि प्रिय वंचा कल्पतरुभ्य कृपा पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्ण हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे So let's begin with a brand new shloka today, and that is shloka number 22 from chapter 3. So I request uh, Dev Chandan to unmute yourself and let's chant this very interesting shloka. And before that, I would like to. Dedicate this session to my beloved spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, the founder Acharya of Iskcon. So, Dave, you can unmute yourself and let's chant this sloka together. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Namé Pārthāsti Kartavyam. Namé Pārthāsti Kartavyam. Trishu Loke Shukinchana. ृषुकिंचन नॉट हैव आई अ नीड टू ऑब्टेन एनीथिंग 
and yet I am engaged in my prescribed duty. Wonderful, thank you. Hare Krishna. <clears throat> Hare Krishna. So, a very interesting sloka. Name Patasti Kartavyam Trishuloke Shukinchana. So, Krishna is saying here, after mentioning about the kind of duties that the great demigods like Brahma, earlier he mentioned about Prajapati. So, Prajapati also initiates this process of Yajna. And here, in the just previous verse, in the 20th sloka, Krishna explained that how Janaka, the great Janakadaya, Priyavrata Maharaj, Janak Maharaj, although they are self-realized, they also perform their prescribed duties. They don't get away from their prescribed duties. They are very responsible, although self-realized, they take joy in doing their prescribed duties. You see, so beautifully Krishna has given the example. But Arjuna may have a doubt, oh, all these people are there, but Krishna, why should I do that? Krishna is telling, now, if you do not trust them, I, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although I have nothing to do, I am giving you my example, O Arjuna. Even I am performing work. Krishna is saying here, although I do not have any work, I am engaged in work. You see, it's so wonderful. Krishna is actually the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? There is a very beautiful word. Krishna Prabhupada is explaining the purport. Who is Supreme Personality of Godhead? Now, in the Vedic verses, it is said that Tamishwaranam Paramam Maheshwaram Tam Devatanam Paramam Chadaivatam Patim Patinam Paramam Parasta Vidamadevam Bhuvaneshamidyam Natasya Karyam Karanam Chavidyate Natasamascha Vedikascha Drishyate Parasya Shaktir Vividhaiva Shruyate Sabhaviti Gyan Balakriyacha Tam Ishwaranam Ishwaranam He is the supreme controller He is the master of everything All the Devatas and everyone else actually work under Him So the supreme personality of Godhead is defined by a very nice a shloka that we had earlier discussed when we defined the term Bhagavan one who possesses the six bhagas which are the six opulences bhaga means opulences so six opulences are physical strength very powerful number one strength the second opulence of the lord is beauty third opulence of the lord is wealth unlimited wealth and the fourth opulence is Unlimited knowledge. Krishna's knowledge is amazing. Fifth is unlimited fame. Krishna has unlimited fame. And sixth opulence of Krishna is renunciation. So Krishna possesses all these six opulences in full. You see, Krishna has unlimited physical strength. We see so many these uh, wrestlers, WWF and all these people like... Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch this WWF and I had some uh, images of those people in my room. You know, that Undertaker and Tatanka and all these people and I used to pose them on my walls. So these wrestlers, you know, they have some power, physical strength, 
but can they lift a Govardhan hill like Krishna? Can they kill the big big demons like Krishna, like Aghasura, the Putna, Shakatasura? No, Krishna's physical strength is unlimited. Now what about Krishna's beauty? Krishna is extremely beautiful, very very beautiful. It is said in the Brahma Samhita, Kandarpa Koti Shobham. Extremely beautiful. Krishna's bodily features are very beautiful. And that's why everyone gets attracted to him. There is a very beautiful pastime, you know, where Naranara and Rishi, you know, they were doing intense tapasya. Even now they are doing tapasya in Badrikashram. So, Indra was very envious and he was jealous. Oh, these two are doing so much of tapasya, Nagar, Nara and Vishi. I should uh, disturb their meditation, I should disturb their tapasya. And Indra sent uh, the beautiful apsaras from heaven to disturb them and they were dancing and all these things. And then Nara and Rishi, who is none other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he produced very, very beautiful damsels from his own body. They were so beautiful that the Apsaras from heaven, they actually put down their heads in shame. They were so beautiful. Now Krishna, that's why it is said, Kandarpa Koti Kamaniya. Kamaniya means Cupid. Cupid is very beautiful. But Kandarpa Koti, Koti Koti, millions and millions of beautiful women he put in front of Krishna. They have nothing. Their beauty is no match for Krishna's beauty. That is the beauty of Krishna. So Krishna has unlimited beauty. So what about Krishna's uh, wealth? Now Krishna has unlimited wealth. We can possess some gold, but Krishna possesses gold mines. We can possess one or two diamonds. Krishna possesses all the diamond mines, you see. Not just of this planet, but of the entire universe. Not just this universe, and all the universes. So he is the ultimate enjoyer and he is the very wealthiest person we can actually ever come in contact with. So you see, Krishna is such a rich father and we are all part and parcel of such a rich father. Why should we work for someone else? We should work for Krishna, our rich father, you see. So now there are some yogis. They also have some opulences. You know, they also through their mystic power, they can get some gold. Prabhupada says very beautiful example of how when Prabhupada was a small boy, he was a, he had a tutor. So this tutor used to tell Prabhupada, oh, I have my Guru Maharaj, he's a yogi. And you know what? When I wanted a very nice pomegranate from Afghanistan, Kabul, that yogi actually through his mystic power called Prapti, he could get pomegranates from Kabul. So that much power they had. Prabhupada also explains of uh, uh, yogis who have this uh, power of uh, creating some gold. You know, there is a process also when they, some yogis, they drink mercury. Uh, they drink mercury night and morning when they pass urine, they take that urine and they put some copper coins and then later on through some chemical process, they create gold out of it. So there is a process like that. So you see? So now Krishna possesses unlimited of all these opulences. So much of wealth is there. It is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam that not in the spiritual world, in the material world itself, in one of the Dvipas, one of the islands, in one of the Saptadvipas, there are huge mango trees and one mango tree is, one mango is as big as an elephant and when that ripened mango, such a huge mango, it falls from the tree, they create a river of the mango pulp. You know, there is a whole river of the mango pulp 
and now this is not some imaginary and uh, some sort of uh, you know what they call as mythological thing it's actually a fact because shrimad bhagavatam has nothing to do with mysterious things or mythological things so there is a river of mango pulp and that mango pulp when it gets mixed with the soil it creates gold and all the devatas they take that gold which is created by the mango pulp and they make jewels you see such an opulence now krishna possesses all these things so much of wealth is there with krishna amazing isn't it so now this is about wealth what about his fame 5000 years ago krishna appeared 5200 years ago but even now even till today krishna is so famous everyone knows and we are building temples after temples for krishna he is very famous what about knowledge albert einstein and many other great scientists have created some theories but krishna's knowledge is so absolute that in spite of having many many centuries and eons passed have passed away we still refer to this wonderful absolute knowledge given by krishna that is the bhagavad gita you see so wonderful it is krishna's knowledge is not relative like today's modern scientists they say oh pluto is a planet today 10 years later pluto is not a planet you see they keep changing the theories but krishna's knowledge is not like that so krishna has amazing knowledge and that's why he has given us this bhagavad gita to us what about renunciation now krishna possesses unlimited renunciation he has everything he possesses everything at the same time he has the capacity to renounce everything why does he have the capacity because he possesses everything you see there is nothing for krishna to gain there is no prayojana for krishna in creating this material world see krishna is providing everything that we need he has given us his body is there any benefit any prayojana any gain that krishna has to get it from get from it no krishna has no gain from giving us this material body krishna is giving and producing food he is working for us does he have any prayojana he has any gain for in that no krishna has no gain but still is working and providing us this body providing us this waterfall this rainfall and giving us food and everything else still working you see krishna is providing all these things but he has no prayojana in this another very interesting thing we should know is in krishna there is no deficiency why do we work one reason why we work is because we have some deficiency in something for example we do not have enough money that's why we work we look for gain oh if i work then i'll gain something there is some deficiency in wealth i need to work there is some deficiency in the position that i have right now so i need to work and gain a higher position so always when we work the motive the motivation behind our work is some gain material gain or spiritual gain there is always some gain right now when we are listening to this bhagavad gita session i am speaking and you are listening there is a gain the gain is we are acquiring knowledge right so this is a spiritual gain but still it is a gain but krishna is so wonderful he is so supreme that he works not for any gain no prayojana still he works still he works why he works because he wants to set an example he wants to set an example to all of us that is why he works that is why he wants to make us he wants to give us this 
impetus to work by setting an example. Icha matram prabho Just by Krishna's willing, everything is created. But still, he works. Actually, not just uh, uh, Krishna, even the demigods, even they have to work. It's not that they are free. They have to take care of all the responsibilities, the environmental responsibilities, day in and day out. They are so scared of Krishna that they have to work. It is said there is a shloka, I just don't remember right now, but all, Chandra, Surya, everybody is working. Why? Because they want to please Krishna. Everybody has to work. But now, amazing thing is, although Krishna is so supreme, Krishna has to work. And this is very nicely explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in one of the pastimes where of Dwarka Leela, where Narad Muni, he visits Dwarka just to see what Krishna is doing as a Grahastha. Krishna has married so many thousands of queens. Now Narada Muni wanted to understand what is Krishna doing in Dwarka. And then when Narada Muni visits Dwarka, he sees in the palace of Rukmini that Krishna is sitting on a couch and then Rukmini is nicely fanning him. And uh, Narada Muni was astonished to see this. The goddess of fortune is nicely serving, although there are so many maidservants. She herself is serving Krishna. And moment Narada Muni enters, Krishna immediately gets up from his place, goes to the place where he receives Narada Muni very nicely, welcomes him nicely, washes Narada Muni's feet. Can you imagine? Krishna is going down and he is touching his helmet to the ground and going down to Narada Muni. And he is saying, we are Grahastas, you are a great uh, Devarishi, you are such an exalted person, it is our fortune that we have to serve you, Krishna is telling to Narada Muni. Now Narada Muni understands that this is Krishna's Leela and he understands and he receives all the service that Krishna is giving him. See, so wonderful. Krishna is setting an example, how to treat the Brahmanas. How a Grahastha should treat Brahmanas? Krishna is setting an example here. Then after receiving all this, Narada said, okay, Narada thought I'll go to some other palace. He leaves this palace of Rukmini and then he goes to a palace of another queen and there Krishna is playing chess with another queen and with Uddhava. They are nicely playing chess. And then Narada comes and sees me, what happened? I was just there and I saw you with Rukmini Devi and here you are playing chess with another queen and Uddhava. And same thing, Krishna is acting and receiving Narada in such a way as if nothing has happened in the previous palace. Although he knows everything. Now Narada was, okay, now let me, without any delay, let me go to another palace. He goes to another palace, there Krishna is doing Achamana. Another palace he is taking bath. Another place he is nicely taking care of the Shaligrama Shila. Another place to the queen is saying, no, 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 he is taking bath right now and he will be doing puja. So, another place when Narada Muni went, he is riding on the horses. Another place Narada goes and then he sees that he is actually going on hunting. Another place he is discussing with the ministers. And another palace he is discussing about the uh, building up temples and new new projects and roads and other things in the Dwarka city. You see, Krishna was fully engaged. Although he has nothing to do, Natasikaryam Karanam Chavidyate, but Krishna is working. And Narad Muni was so astonished, oh my lord, you're working? Why do you have to do all this? 
Why? Because to set an example. Because we all have to do all this thing. Lord Supreme Lord is doing every day as a Grahastha Panchamahayagna. I explained to you earlier that how Grahastha is supposed to do. The married people, Grahastha, are supposed to do Panchamahayagna. It is called Panchashuna also. So Krishna is doing all these things. Just see. So wonderful the Lord is. So very nice Krishna is setting an example here. And that's why, why Krishna is right now in the battlefield. Although he could have killed just by his will, he could have killed all these Adharmi people, but still he is there on the battlefield, on the chariot of Arjuna to set an example. He is telling Arjuna, Arjuna, I am right here to set an example. You see, I am fighting, sitting here on a chariot. Fighting in a sense, he is assisting Arjuna. He himself had promised that he will not fight. But he is assisting, you see, he is doing work. So wonderful it is. But why Krishna is there on the battlefield? That is because for the right cause. He is there for the right cause. To set dharma in this world. To organize everything nicely in a dharmic way. That's why Krishna has come here and he is on the battlefield. Actually nothing is bad in Krishna's service. Please understand. Many people think we should do this, we should not do that. As long as it is used in Krishna's service, including violence, is good. And at the same time, nothing is good if it has no purpose in serving Krishna. So everything is good as long as it is in the service of Krishna. That's why there is a very nice phrase. It is called, the end justifies the means. If your end is Krishna, no matter what route you take to reach that end, Krishna, everything is justified, including violence. You see? So, that is what Krishna is explaining here in this particular shloka that how I am setting example my dear Arjuna so please even if you neglect Janakadayaha, Brahma and Priyavrata Maharaj you take my example please work don't give up your work so let us all work okay so no we cannot get rid of a work we all have to work we cannot be uh, performing inaction we should always be in action why because that is the nature of the soul the nature of the soul is always to be in action. So let's be in action always. So Hina Mataji, please unmute yourself and let's chant this another very interesting word. And let's see what Krishna is explaining here in the next words. That is verse number 23. So yeah, I think you're already there. Yes. Mataji, can you repeat? Yes, but I cannot see any screen from you. Okay, just hold on. Yeah, it should be visible now. Yes. Yadi hi aham na vartyam Yadi hi aham na vartyam Jatu karmani atandritaha Mama Vartmanu Vartante Mama Vartmanu Vartante Manushyaha Pata Sarvashaha Manushyaha Pata Sarvashaha Once again Yadi Hamna Vartyam Yadi Hamna Vartyam Jatu Karmani Atandritaha 
it's huge, but I just want to get the right answer. Let's see who gives the right answer here. It's very interesting. Let's see. You just imagine 16,108 wives into the number of children. Yes, so here we go. So <laughs> we are getting the right answers very close. It is 1,77,188. Yes, I get there is a nice one person here. Uh, I just don't see his name displayed properly, but you got the right answer. It is 1,77,188 children. Now that's an opulence in itself. You know, in the olden times, in the Vedic times, when you have a lot of children, that's opulence. You know, each one of them earlier, having five children, six children was quite common. And having ten children was quite common. Even my great-grandmother, she had one whole cricket team. Eleven children, eleven sons and about three daughters. You see? <laughs> Fourteen children she had. Such a huge family. So now Krishna is so huge, his family was so huge. 1,77,188 children. Now, number of children plus 16,108 wives. Can you add 16,108 wives to the number of children? Let's see who gets the right answer now. Yes, Vijay Vichal is also saying that 1,77,188, wonderful Vijay, you got the right answer. But now, let's see the family size, including the wives and the children. Who gets the right answer? Yes, here you go again. I just don't know your name. But here I get it from both of you. And that is, uh, Hina Mataji also gives the right answer. So all put together, the family size was 1,93,296. What a huge family! What a huge family! By the way, this is the number of wives and children. Krishna himself had expanded into 16,108. Can you please add that number as well? Krishna also expanded into 16,108. Let's see what answer we get now. Let's see what the ah uh, that's there you go. So Hina Mataji is saying it is two lakh nine thousand four hundred and four. You see the huge family, wonderful family of Krishna. Now the very interesting thing here, Maitri Mataji is asking in the comments. She's saying that how does the children of Krishna differ from all of us being part and parcel of Krishna? Very interesting question. So now although we are all part and parcel of Krishna, not just we, but in fact every living entity, no matter you are an elephant, you are a tiger or whatever it is, we are all children of Krishna, but we differ in a way, in a sense that they were all directly participating in the Leela of Krishna. Whereas we do not have that opportunity to be in the Leela of Krishna because of right now we have that un, uh, contaminated, contaminated consciousness. But all those who participate in Krishna Leela, who became the wives and children, they were all exalted devotees. Nobody can be a part of Krishna's family like that with an, having an intimate relationship unless we have that developed pure consciousness. 
Krishna consciousness. All those devotees had that consciousness and hence they could be a part of Krishna Leela in Dwarka. But right now we are not, although we are children, he is the supreme father, but we don't really accept him as a father. They had accepted him as a father. We don't accept, we don't accept Krishna. We are all rebellious. We don't want Krishna to be our father. We want to be the master. We want to be the controller. Alright, Krishna says you want to be the master, you be there. And hence you will not get an opportunity to be a part of the Leela that I am performing. So that's the answer. Right now we have to develop this consciousness of Krishna and become pure in our consciousness. And then we can also be a part of the Leela. And that's exactly what uh, some scriptures also say, Prabhupada says, that actually in this life when we perform our sadhana very nicely, we don't directly go to the spiritual world. We actually go to the universe where Krishna is currently performing Leelas. There are multiple universes and Nitya Leela is happening in so many universes and we will go to that universe where Krishna is performing Leelas and we will participate in the Leelas of Krishna, become trained. We, it's like internship, you know. We become trained and then we go to the spiritual world. So there are some explanations by Acharyas like that also. We don't directly go to the spiritual world. We first go to that place where Krishna is right now performing Leela. So if you want to go there after this very lifetime, then this is an opportunity. We need to clarify all the dust that uh, accumulated uh, dirt in our mind and then let's go to be a part of Krishna Leela. I hope that answers your question. And uh, yes, so let's Let's understand few more things. Manushyaha. So we are, see the huge size of Krishna's family. Amazing huge family that Krishna has. So Prabhupada is also explaining that how it's important that many times people say that great leaders that why Krishna had to perform all this violence? Why it was necessary? Why was it required? You see? Prabhupada gives an example of Mahatma Gandhi. Now Mahatma Gandhi, Prabhupada praises him, he says that in most of the pictures we see Mahatma Gandhi having a Bhagavad Gita copy in his hand. So Prabhupada says, Bhagavad Gita was life and soul of Mahatma Gandhi. He was an amazing person, very kind hearted person. But he misinterpreted the outcome, the essence of Bhagavad Gita and he wanted to preach non-violence. Krishna is speaking Bhagavad Gita on the battlefield and Mahatma Gandhi was trying to preach non-violence. But what was the result of that non-violence movement? Ultimately, Mahatma Gandhi was killed by violence, you see? And he could not stop violence. So, we need to be very careful in understanding Bhagavad Gita from the right sources, Mahajanas. So, in the previous uh, sessions we had discussed that there are 12 Mahajanas. We need to follow in the footsteps of these Mahajanas and that's how we understand the right thing, the correct essence of Bhagavad Gita. What is the Krishna's intention is understood only through Mahatmas, Mahajanas. So we need to follow Mahajanas. So we need to work but now the next verse is very 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 important and I think we need to really absorb this uh, very important shloka, the verse number 24. I want Chaitanya to unmute. So let me include him and let's take Chaitanya and let's chant this shloka. So please repeat after me this shloka. 
ಉತ್ಸಿದೇಯೂರಿ ಮೇಲೋಕ ಉತ್ಸಿದೇಯೂರಿ ಮೇಲೋಕ ನ ಕುರ್ಯಾಂ ಕರ್ಮ ಚೇದಹಂ ನ ಕುರ್ಯಾಂ ಕರ್ಮ ಚೇದಹಂ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಉಪಹನ್ಯಾಮಿ ಮಾ ಪ್ರಜ ಶಂಕರ ಉಪಹನ್ಯಾಮಿ ಮಾ ಪ್ರಜ Yes, please read the translation. If I did not perform respect to this, all these words would be put to ruination. I would be the cause of creating unwanted population and I would thereby destroy the peace of all living beings. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Aitanya. Thank you, Prabhu. So, this is a very important shloka and let's understand some details about this shloka so here krishna is using a very nice word and he is saying here that upahanyam ima prajaha praja what is praja or who is praja so we have this idea of praja that whenever a king is ruling anybody in his jurisdiction in his kingdom is called praja so another very interesting meaning of praja is prakrishta rupena ja praja means prakrishta rupena ja means all those who are born are called praja you are a praja i am a praja why because we are born with this material body so anybody who takes birth with this material body is called praja so krishna is saying that if i do not work then what will happen is i will be the cause of unwanted population he said sankarasya chakartasya sankarasya so anyone remembers that this word sankarasya was used previously also in bhagavad gita does anyone remember where was this used before sankarasya varna sankara was explained so in chapter 1 arjuna had raised this question that there will be unwanted population in the verse number 40 39 and 40 he was explaining about varna sankara so let's understand what is this varna sankara what do we know about varna sankara actually varna sankara means bad population and when there is increase in the bad population there is a problem for the good population the good people cannot properly habitat in this universe in this planet it becomes very difficult for good people to live in this world when there is a lot of bad population and that's exactly what is happening today in this world there are so many riots happening there are so many disturbances and calamities are happening 
Why? Because of bad population. Sankarasya. Sankara means crossbreeding. Varna means we know there are four Varnas. And then there is this crossbreeding between Varnas. That is what is called as Varna Sankara. So let's understand this a little bit. In the Vedic times, when there is to be marriages, when there is a marriage, people used to be very, very, very careful and very specific to understand the Varna of the boy and the girl. Both the bride and the groom should be of a equal Varna. When there is no equal Varna, then there is Varna Sankara. So earlier in Vedic times, people were extremely careful about this Varna. A Brahmana boy will get married to a Brahmana girl. Kshatriya will get to married to a Kshatriya girl. And similarly, Shudras and the Vaishyas. That was the system. But when there is this crossbreeding, that's when there is difficulty. So there are two types of crossbreeding, Varna Sankara, that can happen. What are those? There is something called as Anuloma and there is something called as Pratiloma. What is Anuloma? Anuloma means where the, the man, the boy is of higher Varna and the girl is of the lower Varna. That is called Anuloma. For example, there is a Brahmana boy but when he gets married to a Kshatriya girl, then there is Varna Sankara. If the Brahmana boy is marrying to a Vaishya girl, then there is another type of Varna Sankara. So, this is called Anuloma. Where there is the boy of a higher caste of higher Varna and the girl is of a lower Varna. Pratiloma is inverse of this. Where the boy is actually of a lower Varna and the girl is of a higher Varna. A boy is of Shudra but the girl is of Brahmana Varna. So then there is difficulty. What are the problems? Let's see what are the types of Varna Sankara that happens when these kind of cross marriages or in today's terms it's called inter-caste marriages. Right? Of course it's not the caste based on the birth. It is the Varna defined by Guna and Karma. Krishna says that very beautifully. Our Varna is not determined by the birth, the family in which we have taken birth. It is actually by the Guna and Karma. So these are the six types of Anuloma or six types of Varna Sankara when the man is of a higher Varna and the girl is of a lower Varna. So when a Brahmana boy gets married to a Kshatriya girl, the progeny, the son who is begotten is of Kshatriya nature. They are called as Anantara. Kshatriya nature is called Anantara. When a Brahmana boy gets married to a Vaishya girl, a merchant class girl, then there is another kind of progeny that comes out. They are called Ambasta. When a Brahmana boy gets married to a Shudra girl, then it gives rise to Nishada, a population of progeny called Nishada. The son is called to be a part of Nishada. Now, these are the Brahmana. Now, the Kshatriya, the second highest class is Kshatriya. So when a Kshatriya gets married to a lower class girl of Vaishya, then the output, the progeny is 
of Vaishya nature. The sun will have a Vaishya nature. They are called Anantara again. And when a Kshatriya boy gets married to a Shudra girl, it gives rise to Ugra. So these Ugra, people who are out of this kind of progeny, they are very ferocious in their behavior. They are uh, they take pleasure in giving hurt to people. They give a uh, lot of pain to people and they take pleasure in giving pain to people. That's why they are Ugra, when a Kshatriya marries a Shudra girl. And then Vaishya, when a Vaishya boy gets married to a Shudra girl, it gives to gives rise to Shudra kind of progeny and then that is also called as Anantara. So these are the six types of Anuloma where the boy is of a high Varna, the girl is of a lower Varna. All these categories are called Varna Sankaraha. These are all crossbreeding. So whenever there is crossbreeding, the problem is some of the good qualities will reduce in human society, in the progeny. Now what are the six types of Pratiloma? Let's understand. When the girl is of a higher Varna, when a Kshatriya boy gets married to a higher caste girl, that is of a Brahmana, who is having the Brahminical nature, it gives rise to a son who is Kshatriya in nature. They are also called as Suta. When a Vaishya, lower uh, Varna, Vaishya boy gets married to a Kshatriya girl, it gives rise to Madhada. When a Vaishya boy gets married to a Brahmana girl, much much elevated, then it gives rise to a son who is Vaideha. Shudra, lowest class, Varna, when gets married to Vaishya, a higher class, the merchant client class girl, it gives to a Yogava. And when a Shudra boy gets married to a Kshatriya, a Shatrani, it gives rise to a progeny called Shatri. And when a Shudra boy gets married to a Brahmana girl, it gives rise to a progeny called Chandala. Now, dear devotees, this is not the end of it. Now, this permutation combination goes on. For example, a Chandala, he gets married to a Brahmana, it gives rise to another category. If we have to discuss all this Varana Sankara and the type of Sankaras, the whole session will be on that. So, I just wanted to give you an idea that how cross-breeding can lead to so much of confusion. Now, what are the main reasons for this Varna Sankara? What are the main reasons of Varna Sankara is, one, number one, adultery. When there is adultery between the boy and a girl of different Varnas, then the progeny will be of Varna Sankara. It is not be of a high quality progeny. You see, one is adultery and sometimes it is forceful adultery. For example, we have heard about war children. You know, some of you must have heard about war children where many times when kings and soldiers and armies, they go and conquest another nation and then, uh, you know, many women are exploited and that gives rise to a lot of unwanted population. So all this is Varna Sankara. And then also, that is one reason, adultery is one reason and cause for Varna Sankara. Second is, this intercaste marriages that happen. In the previous, uh, you know, the reason that I told you, 
that how when there is uh, uh, you know adultery there are lot of single parents especially in the western world we see there are lot of single parents why single parents why there is no mother or there is no father because the children were born just because of lust because the drive was there they were driven by lust and that's how the children have come out there is no such thing as marriage and uh, the samskar of vivaha nothing of that sort and there are single parents so this is all varna sankara ha ah, so that is number one second is the intercaste marriage when we say intercaste marriage again uh, it is defined not by the caste system that we have today it's about varna we are talking about varna so then that also gives the gives rise to varna sankara that we have uh, understood through this anulo anuloma and pratiloma examples these are all intercaste marriages intervarna marriages the right appropriate term and then we have the third reason and the third reason and the most important reason is for varna sankara unwanted population unwanted progeny is when each of these varnas do not perform their prescribed duties it gives rise to varna sankara let us understand suppose there is a brahmana boy who has got married to a brahmana girl now it is the same varna marriage but if the brahmana does not perform the duties of brahmanical culture then if he has children it gives rise to unwanted varna sankara if a kshatriya you know king and a kshatriya queen both are married in the same varna but if a king is not doing his duty properly and he begets a child it will lead to a child with lesser qualities of a kshatriya so this is the very important reason and that's why in the mahabharata when we see dronacharya was very ferociously fighting and then krishna tells yudhishthira go and tell a lie what is the lie ashwatthama hataha ashwatthama is being killed but dronacharya was still fighting in spite of uh, uh, hearing that word but then bhima comes oh ashwatthama acharya what are you doing don't you understand don't you hear that your son has died what are you doing you know bhima speaks uh, in such a way that anybody can get shaken up so dronacharya when he heard bhima speaking like that oh dronacharya you are a brahmana as a brahmana you are actually supposed to teach children you are supposed to have a gurukula and spread the knowledge but in spite instead of doing that you are fighting on the side of duryodhana and propagating adharma you see dronacharya is a brahmana but he is fighting there as a kshatriya so it is not the prescribed duty of a brahmana to fight actually and the result is what his son dronacharya ashwatthama what did he do he followed his father he also entered the battlefield if the father dronacharya told no i am not going to fight i am a brahmana i will just teach even ashwatthama would have just followed his father but my father himself is here now fighting i will also fight ashwatthama also came into the battlefield you see so this is how when we do not perform our duties properly of our varna it will result into unwanted progeny and that is the confusion today in the whole society all these low class people are coming more and more such low class 
progeny is coming and creating disturbance in this whole universe, in this whole planet and good people are not getting enough and proper means and resources to execute their duties. All this is Varna Sankara. And by the way, what happens, the result of this is, when these unwanted people, unwanted progeny that comes in, this Varna Sankara category of people come in, they do not just create further Varna Sankara only in human society, but they create Varna Sankara in other species of life also. Now you see that's what's happening in today's world. This human species, we are so, in the name of technology, we are actually exploiting all the different species. Isn't it? Everything in the name of uh, innovation, we are going seedless. Earlier grapes used to have seeds and fruits used to have seeds. Today, in the name of innovation, we are going seedless. So when we humans are actually eating all the seedless grapes and seedless fruits, the result is humans are also becoming seedless. And that's why there is no progeny. Many people are not even able to conceive children. Why? Because they are eating all the seedless food. You see? And they don't think, if I take out the seed from the fruit, where will I get seeds in the future? How will I get grapes in the future if I am making all seedless? You see? We have to preserve the seed for the future generation. But today, in the name of innovation, that's happening. Crossbreeding is happening not just in fruits and vegetables, but it is also happening in so many types of different types of animals like cows. Now, they took the hormones of pig and then they put it in the uh, cows. And that's why we have this HF cows, the Jersey cows. Why? Because they want more and more milk production. And the result is, by drinking such milk, people are getting diseased. So many unwanted diseases are coming. When you, when you eat the Varna Sankara plants, fruits and milk products and all these things, then what will happen is, you will be infected with disease. We all have heard about the cross between, cross breeding between the lion and a tiger. It is called liger. You must have seen that also. It doesn't look like a lion, it doesn't look like a tiger. What avevasta it is in the society. We are so much confused with our dharma. We are trying to confuse other species also. In fact, animals are quite sensible. They will not cross breed. They know if I am a dog, I will just go and you know produce progeny in a dog itself. But here we humans, we are trying to do all this experimentation and in the name of innovation, we are spoiling the society. Just leave as it is. Why we need to disturb the society and the environment, you see? Animals are quite intelligent, but humans have lost their IQ, their intelligent question. We have become less than animals. We don't even know some basic principles of existence. How to lead life in this nature. Trying to exploit everything that we come across. So this is Varna Sankara. This is the result of all the chaos in the society today. Very, very unfortunate. Now, people are so worried about the very high pedigree of horses. You know, when there are horse races, they are having the lineage of horses. Oh, this horse is coming from this parent and this horse was coming from his ancestor. They are all high pedigree horses. Similarly, dogs. When people want to purchase some dogs, they want very high pedigree dogs. If we are so concerned about having a high pedigree horse and high pedigree dogs, what about high pedigree human beings? 
Where are the environmentalists today? They are so concerned about the high-grade environmental things. But what about the high-grade human society? Nobody is worried about that. You see all Varna Sankara. There is Sankara happening in mangoes. You know fruits. You take mango of a nice space. You mix with some other mango. And you create another type of mango which has totally no taste. So all these are happening. Dear devotees, we should be extremely careful about Varna Sankara. And we should not be in any way promoting this Varna Sankara. Consciously or unconsciously. So this is pathetic situation. And there is a very nice uh, uh, theory called Malthusian theory. By, uh, Prabhupada explains this, Malthusian theory. There was this uh, Thomas Robert Malthusian, he was an economist in 18th century. And he has very nicely understood this Varna Sankara. He says that in the world, whenever in the world there is unwanted population, there will be three things. What is that? Pestilence, famine and war. Pestilence, famine and war. And that's exactly what's happening. This unwanted population will come and they'll create disturbance for the good population. So, this is very very sad. Very very sad. So, I think we need to understand these principles of Varna Sankara. So, it's a deep topic. So, you see why Krishna is telling about this Varna Sankara? Because Arjuna had asked this question. Let's see what Arjuna had asked in the first chapter. He had said in the 40th, 40th verse very nicely, Arjuna's concern was, in the 39th verse he said, Kulakshaya pranashanti kuladharma sanatanaha dharmenashte kulam krishnam adharmo vivavatutaha. So, with the destruction of the dynasty, the eternal family traditions is vanquished and thus, the rest of the family becomes involved in irreligious practices. And next words Arjuna is saying that Adharma Vivavat Krishna Pradushyanti Kulastriyaha Strishu Dushtashu Vashneya Jayate Varna Sankaraha So when the irreligious, irreligion is prominent in the family, O Krishna, the women of the family become corrupt. And from the degradation of womanhood, O descendant of Krishna, comes unwanted progeny. So where is the problem? The problem very nicely Arjuna is addressing. He is saying that Kuladharma Sanatanaha When the Kuladharma gets destroyed, it will ultimately result in Varna Sankaraha. So just like Dronacharya, his Kuladharma was supposed to teach. Our Kuladharma is something that we need to identify and we have not identified unfortunately. That's the situation today. And when we are simply walking without understanding our Kuladharma, it is giving rise to so many unwanted things. You see? So that is why Krishna is saying, My dear Arjuna, you yourself told that there should not be unwanted population. We have to do Kuladharma. You are a Kshatriya. Why don't you want why you want to avoid fight? You better fight and perform your Kuladharma. Because Arjuna. If you do not fight, you are escaping from your, from your Kula Dharma, which will ultimately result into all these unwanted people taking advantage of the Shatranis. They will exploit the Shatranis. And then it will be a problem. It will give rise to unwanted population. So what you thought will give rise to unwanted population is right, but that's exactly 
why you need to fight as a Kshatriya. So Sri Krishna is again bringing back Arjuna and telling him that Varna Sankara will happen if you do not fight. It is not by not fighting Varna Sankara will happen. It is if you fight properly, then Varna Sankara can be stopped. Is what Arjuna, is what Krishna is saying to Arjuna. So, so it's a very big topic. Varna Sankara itself is a very big topic. So, uh, it's very uh, interesting to see all these things are coming up here. So, why these things are happening in the society of this crossbreeding and trying to bring new, new things, create new things, new species. All we are trying is because we want to imitate God. We want to be God. That's why we are imitating. God has created everything naturally in his capacity. But when we want to imitate, that's the problem. So that's why Krishna Prabhupada is saying in this purport here, Naitat samachare jatu manasapihi anishwaraha vinashyati acharan maudajya yata rudro visham 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 ishwaranam vachas satyam tataiva charitam kvachit tesham yatso vacho yuktam buddhimam tat samachare We should follow in the footsteps of great acharyas but we should not imitate them. Shiva, Lord Shiva, he drank the poison, the ocean of poison and he kept it in his kanta. That's why it's called Nilakanta. Can we imitate? Even the fragment of that poison, if we drink, we will be dead. We cannot imitate. And that's exactly what we are doing. Because we want to imitate that which is naturally existing, we are creating more and more chaos in the society. Dog is nicely there, naturally available. So many species and different varieties of dogs are there, but humans will feel, no, no, no. I, let me, with my intelligence and innovation, let me create another type of uh, dog. And then problem will come. Cow is naturally existing, no, man will say, I want to create a cow. And then there is a problem. So this is Varna Sankara. So uh, I think there will be a lot of questions and uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. That's very, very important. And... Uh, <clears throat> Let me see if there are any questions here. So, on YouTube, there is one question. Maitri Mataji is asking, how does the children of Krishna differ? Okay, that was already asked. Yeah. So now, Achyutanji is saying here, there is a comment. He says that, when we are all equal before God, what significance does Varna have? Again, this Varna is based on the guna and karma of a particular soul in this material body. Absolutely. At the soul level, there is no varna. There is no differentiation between uh, any of these things. But we should know that we are in this material world, not in the spiritual world. And this varna, this differentiation is not created by us. It is created by Krishna. Chatur varna maya shishtam. Krishna is saying, these varanas are created by me. That's why in Purusha Shukta also he says, in Purusha Shukta prayer, when we say, Brahmano Asya Mukamasi Bahu Rajanya Kritaha Uru Tat Asya Yad Vaishyaha Padbhyagam Shudro Ajayata You see? So these four varanas, Krishna is saying, they are my bodily limbs. They are different parts of my universal form. Brahmanas are representing the Mukham, the face, the head region. Kshatriyas are representing the Bhujas of the Lord. The Uru, Uru means stomach. 
is represented by the Vaishyas and the legs are nicely represented by the Shudras. So these are the four Varnas which are representing the universal form of the body of the Supreme Lord. So it is created by the Lord, these Varnas. And we have to fit into one of them. But when we try to play with these things, then there is Varna Sankara. But at the soul level, yes, absolutely, at the soul level, everyone is equal. There is no differentiation between even the cockroach and us, because that's also a soul. Right? But at the bodily platform, we need to have this differentiation. And act according to our nature. But when we don't understand the nature, then there is a problem. So Achyutanji is saying, the conversation, the conversion also imply Varna Sankara. Uh, what is the meaning, characteristics of Vaidehi? Okay. So, does conversion, first question, does conversion also imply Varna Sankara? So, I think you are referring to the conversion of people from one religion to another religion. Is that what you are trying to say, Achyutanji? Let me uh, bring you on the... Yes, you can also just speak out, unmute yourself and you can speak. Can you ask the question so that we can understand it better? Conversion, when you say conversion of people, does that mean conversion between religions? Okay, looks like uh, I cannot unmute himself, unmute him, okay, no problem. So, so yes, as uh, there is, okay, let's understand one more thing. I want to tell here that this Varna, it's not that only in India we have this Varna. This Varna is applicable to people across the world. There are Brahmanas in America, there are Brahmanas in Australia, there are Brahmanas all over the world. Similarly, there are Kshatriya class, there are Vaishya class, there are Shudra class. All these four classes, the business class is there in all parts of the world. The working class is there in all the parts of the world. The soldiers, armies are there in all the parts of the world. So, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, this division is naturally present across the world. But when there is an interaction, the interchange between the Varanas, it's not really, really doesn't uh, talk about Hindu, Muslim or Christian marriages. No, not about that. Varana is defined by your inclination, default settings. So, that default settings are very much present in each of these religions also. There is a Christian Brahmana, there is a Christian Vaishya, there is a Christian Shudra. He is in a Christian religion as per, but from the definition of Varana that we get from Bhagavad Gita, these Varanas are across the world and across different sects of people. Right? So, that is how. Though religious conversion may or may not, it depends on the Varana again. It depends on the Varana. What Varana does they belong to? If there is somebody Muslim, but there is a Muslim philosopher, you know, he is a great philosopher, that means he is a Brahmana. And then if somebody gets married from a Christian who is also a philosopher girl, she gets married to him, it's okay because the Varna is same. Although they may be coming from the different religion, but then the Varna is same. Similarly, a Kshatriya of Hindu who is a soldier, but at the same time he gets married to a, a soldier from America who is a Christian, they have the same Varna. 
They may be belonging to different religions. But the Varna is saying, as per the definition of Bhagavad Gita. You see? Good, so I, I think I have triggered some nice questions here. So let's see, let me take some questions here. Very interesting. So, yeah. I think uh, we will take some questions before we go to the next shloka. Chaitanya is asking, they also say that though there is Varna Sankara, a child is born to somebody is completely based on the karma of their last life. How this gets justified? The reason we take a particular birth in a particular Varna is because of our karma. If you are actually born in a particular Varna, that's because of your karma. Because of your previous karma was such that you have to take birth in a Kshatriya family, you will take birth in a Kshatriya family. So, yes, definitely it is karma based. All these are Daivanitrina. Taking birth, that's why the calculation that goes on, bringing a child is not simply a physical act. It is not simply a man and woman coming together and they unite and the child is coming. But the child is coming with so much of baggage and all that is nicely calculated by Daivanitrena. Who has to take birth, where, in which family, all these classifications are done, all these things are taken care by the Supreme Lord, the Paramatma within the heart. We cannot even understand these things. We cannot even understand. But if we perform Garbhajana Samskara, if the husband and the wife, if they are very, very well trained, and they perform Garbhadana Samskara, then they are actually preparing themselves to attract the right soul into their family. There are many great souls waiting to take birth in a wonderful, to have wonderful parents. They are waiting to have good parents. But here on this planet, there are no good parents. I mean, there are good parents, but as per the definition of Krishna, when we prepare ourselves spiritually, there are many good parents, but good parents doesn't mean simply who are aristocratic or who speak well, well behaved. No, Krishna really doesn't talk about good behavior alone. Good parents means those who are spiritually elevated. Great souls are waiting for someone, some parents who can help them in their Krishna consciousness, in their spiritual journey. So if we can become Krishna conscious parents, then Krishna will send great souls into the family. And that will bring a lot of transformation in the society. That's why begetting good population is very, very important. We are not against uh, having only, uh, you know, not against many, having many children. In fact, Bhakti Vinod Thakur says you should have children. You can have hundreds of sons, provided you make them Krishna conscious. And we need, we need some devotees like that. We need good children like this in the society who can transform and who can bring revolution in the society, who can stop this Varna Sankara, who can stop all these nonsensical things that are happening in the name of innovation and technology. Right? So we should have good population. And if you want to have good population, there is no limit. Our Shastra say you can have more children. See? So, so these are some very important things we should know and understand. 
So, uh, yeah, so Vinodhi had asked uh, what is the meaning and characteristics of Vaidehi. So, let me just quickly go. Vaidehi, yeah. There is a Brahmana and uh, the Vaishya girl. Brahmana boy and Vaishya girl gives rise to Vaidehi. So, let me quickly go to that. No, sorry, a Vaishya and a Brahmana. Vaishya and a Brahmana gives rise to a Vaidehi. So, uh, let me get back to you on this, Vinodji, because I need some more details on this, but definitely I will get back to you on this. What are the characteristics? It's a very good question. In fact, this whole uh, permutation combination and what type of outcome, what type of progeny comes, I will definitely try to explain this in another session, but this personally I will explain to you. It's very important. So, Hina Madhati is asking, Prabhuji could we also have small session discussion on Anand Koti Brahmanda? creation of multiple universes okay so we can explain we can also have a session on this i will let you know sometimes in the evenings on weekends we can have this session and it will be a short session we can discuss on this multiple universes today people are talking even the scientists are talking about multi-universe existence so yes there is a multi-universe existence we can understand and we can talk about that. It is very nicely explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam. We will definitely touch upon that as well. Good. So, <clears throat> any more questions please? So, we have uh, 10 more minutes and I think we can quickly finish off another shloka for today. So, Vinod Chandanji, maybe you can join and unmute yourself if possible. Hello. Okay, great. So let me display the shloka and let's chant the words. The verse number 25, very interesting. Saptaha karmaniya vidvam shoho. Saptaha karmaniya vidvam shoho. Yata kurvanti bharata. Yata kurvanti bharata. Kurya vidvam sata sakta. Chikir Shurloka Sangraham Chikir Shurloka Sangraham Once again Saktaha Karmaniya Vidvam Shoh Saktaha Karmaniya Vidvam Shoh Yatha Kurvanti Bharata Yatha Kurvanti Bharata Kurya Vidvam Sata Tata Saktash Kurya Vidvam Sata Saktash Chikir Shurloka Sangraham Wonderful. Please read the translation. You can read it by yourself. As the ignorant perform their duties with attachment to results, the learned may similarly act but without attachment yes. for the sake of leading people on the right path. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much. Alright. So, this is another very interesting thing. So, <clears throat> let's understand this last loka here. So, Krishna is saying that there are these two types of people. Navuddhi Bhedam. No, Saktaha Karmani Avidvamso. Saktaha. Sakta means people who are attached. And then he is saying Kuryad Vidvamsata Saktash. Asaktaha. There are Saktas and there are Asaktaha. People who are not attached. 
So there are people who are attached to the results and there are people who are not attached to the results. So Krishna is saying, you be a person with a intention of not being attached to the results of your actions. So Kuryat Vidvam, he is a Jnani, he is an intelligent person who is not attached to his actions. So many times we see there is a merchant, a business, a materialistic merchant, a materialistic businessman and there is a devotee businessman. So now on the platform that we see them, both appear to be doing business. But it's not that simply they are doing business, what they do with the result they get is most important. The materialistic businessman, he, he uses his money and spends the money for sense gratification. Whereas the devotee, he also earns money but he uses that for spreading Krishna consciousness. So both are doing business but what do they do with the result defines whether they are attached or they are not attached. Whether they are saktas or they are asaktas. It defines how they use, how do they do their expenditure. That defines whether they are devotees or they are not devotees. You see? So, very nice example is given by Prabhupada of Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami, they were very high class ministers in the uh, kingdom of Nawab of uh, Bengal. And they were uh, prime ministers there and they were earning a lot of money. But Rupa Goswami, he used to divide his money in three parts. 50% of his income, he used to use it for dharma, for Krishna consciousness. 25% for his family and relatives and all those things. 25% for emergency. You see, this is the principle set by our acharyas. When we get our income, this is how we need to divide. 50, 25, 25. 50% for Krishna consciousness. Now there is a heart attack. Some of you know what? Prabhu, 50% of our income. How can we give 50% to Krishna? So, don't worry, we are not asking you to give 50% right away. If you can give, that's amazing. But at least start giving 2%, 3%, 4%. This concept of giving should come. This idea of giving should come. So, this is how Krishna is saying that there are people who are saktas and there are asaktas. So, now Krishna is also saying that there are many people who have lot of knowledge and lot of followers but they do not distribute that knowledge. Now knowledge is also opulence like we earlier mentioned but when you do not distribute that knowledge then you will confuse the followers. There are lot of many uh, famous people today and a lot of followers they have, fan following they have but their fans are confused because these people do not work, they do not perform their prescribed duties and their followers are thinking what should I do? They are completely in dilemma, you see? So that should not happen, that's why a learned person, a leader has this responsibility to set right example by performing his prescribed duties. Nor a jnani, an intelligent person, a self-realized person should not induce people towards inaction. A self-realized soul should actually induce people to perform their prescribed duties. That's the nature of a jnani. Not that, oh, I have become a jnani, 
Now I have renounced everything. All of you also please renounce. No, that is not good preaching. Good jnani will engage everyone according to their natures, according to their varna. So that is very very important. So Krishna is saying here, such people who are jnanis should perform their activities and then also induce people into their respective work. Very very important. So that's why dear devotees we should know that this human body is a very wonderful boat. This is the boat through which we can cross this ocean of material existence. Just like if you want to cross the very turbulent Atlantic Ocean, you need a very strong ship. Atlantic Ocean is quite turbulent most of the time. That's what Prabhupada says and that's what most of the seafarers they say. That Atlantic Ocean is quite turbulent most of the time. You need a very strong boat, a ship to cross that. Similarly, this whole material existence is very turbulent. Padam, padam, yet padam. Constantly there are so many problems in our lives. If you want to cross this ocean of problems, then this human body is amazing. It's a very strong boat that we have got. So let's utilize this. This is a very wonderful boat. By understanding the principles of the Bhagavad Gita and doing our prescribed duty and having a captain like Prabhupada who can guide us, amazing things will happen. So we will reach our destination for sure. And that destination is the spiritual world, Golok Vrindavan. Right? So these are few things that we have discussed today. We have covered about four shlokas from 22 to 25. And let's continue from the next words. But let me take some questions. Let me see if there are any questions. Let's have some question answers. Chaitanya is asking some questions. Uh, Prabhu also want to know about how the universe is originated as per Vedas. Okay. So like earlier the question was asked by Hinamata Ji about I'm trying to understand uh, how to uh, understand about multi-universe thing. We will definitely touch upon that uh, part, this same question in that session so that we can understand in detail, in depth about this particular question about the existence and the creation of the universe. It's a very nice process and it's very bewildering also. You know, this whole creation is moving, such a huge universe is moving constantly. Right now the earth is moving. Earth is moving at a speed of 106,000 kilometers per hour. Can you even imagine? Can you even feel that? If you move in your car, say about 150 kilometers, it will start vibrating. But here, this earth is right now moving at the speed of 106,000 kilometers per hour. We don't even feel any vibration. What a creation it is. Amazing, isn't it? So, we will definitely touch upon these things in the exclusive session that we will have on the creation of the universe. So, that's very interesting. So, let me see if there are any more questions here. Please feel free to ask. If there are any questions, let's take one or two questions before we end the session. So I really thank everyone who has joined uh, today on uh, StreamYard, on YouTube and also those who are listening to the podcast regularly. Uh, I request all of you to please share the sessions with each and everyone that you know so that they also understand the principles of Bhagavad Gita and they also become active in their prescribed duties. So please uh, share with everyone so that it will be really very good. So today we have discussed about 
how Krishna himself is setting an example. He is saying that uh, he himself works, he performs his duties. We saw the Dwarka Leela of Krishna and then we also understood about the Varna Sankara today in detail. So definitely we will dive a little more as we go forward. What are the different types of Varna Sankaras? And uh, we also understood about the Krishna's huge family <laughs> that he had. And we also understood about how the Jnanis should perform their work and induce people to do their prescribed duties. So, wonderful, very nice. Okay, so Uma also, Uma Kumar was also here. And let me see, there were a few other devotees. I'm really sorry that I couldn't get your name. And some of your names were not properly displayed earlier. So, but I still got some very nice, interesting answers from you. So, that was really great. Yes. So thank you, thank you everyone. So I'll see you again next uh, Sunday uh, with the next uh, upcoming shloka that is shloka, shloka number 26. So please take care and uh, if you have any questions, you can feel free to ask me in the WhatsApp as well. Alright, take care. Hare Krishna.